0: Hello, readers. Coming up, it's my chat with Joshua Rofe about Sasquatch. First, wanted to let you know to check out booksonpod.com. You can hear every episode there and subscribe to this podcast. And for the latest on this show, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BooksOnPod. Pod. Hey everyone, this is Les Stroud, aka Survivor Man, and also the author of Wild Outside, Around the World with Survivor Man. And you're listening to Books on Pod with Trey Elling. Hello readers, we're doing something a little bit different today. Normally the focus is books, but today the focus is a documentary. Joshua Rofe is a filmmaker and the director of the new Hulu docuseries Sasquatch. It's a three-part series, executive produced by the Duplass brothers, that is a murder mystery thriller and it's well worth your time. You can check it out now on Hulu. And we now welcome Joshua to the show. Josh, thank you for the time. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. How are you?
0: I'm great. What initially got you into this Sasquatch project?
1: I'm going to take us back to February 2018. Can I do that? Please do. So February 2018, I'm having dinner with a buddy. His name's Zach Kreger. He's one of the exec producers on this show. And our parting words are really his. And he says, one last thing, you got to listen to a podcast podcast that I love. You're either going to love it or you're going to think I'm crazy for loving it. It's called Sasquatch Chronicles. Immediately, I had no interest. And I told him that. (laughs) And he said, no, I'm telling you, just listen to an episode. And what the show is, is people calling in, telling their own Sasquatch encounter stories. And so the next day, I listened to one episode. Cut to four days later, I'd listened to 11 episodes. And at this point, what I'm immediately struck by and obsessed with is not even the details of the stories and whether or not I believe all of those, but what I'm so taken by is there is a thread of visceral fear that is present in every story. And so I sort of mull over the next few days or week or whatever it was, and I sort of do that dance internally where I'm asking myself, am I going to make a Sasquatch something? Doc, scripted, whatever. And then I think, I make social issue documentaries. If I mentioned this to my collaborators, they would think I was nuts and I can't get it out of my head. And I knew that I wanted to find something that could capture the fear. I wanted to find a story that could capture the fear I felt was present in these folks encounter stories. And so what I did was I reached out to a friend and colleague named David Holthouse, who is the protagonist in this story, in this series. And David's been a gonzo journalist and investigative journalist for 25 years. And he's kind of seen and done a lot of crazy stuff. He's your friend who has the craziest stories, <laughs> you know? So he's the, he's the guy you would reach out to. So I sent him a text. We're now a week later. We're still in February 2018. It's a Tuesday night. And I just sent him a text. And I said, hey, this is the craziest text I'm going to send you for the next five years. <laughs> I would love to find a murder mystery that is somehow wrapped up in a Sasquatch story and pursue it as an ex-project. He writes me right back. He says, I love it, I got one, I'll call you in five. And he proceeds to tell me about something that he experienced in the fall of 1993 in Northern California, where just for the sake of brevity here, he heard other people say that they had come directly from the scene of a triple homicide and that the three victims had been torn limb from limb And the alleged killer was a Sasquatch or multiple Sasquatch. And as soon as he told me that, obviously I was in. And so that's how this thing started.
0: That is a great setup for the rest of this documentary. And that's not spoiling anything for anybody that's listening right now. I think that story is the very first thing that's told within the first five minutes of this series. And as I was watching it, it caused me to recall even the first five minutes caused me to recall a year and a half that I spent in southwestern Oregon and people would ask me from time to time down here in Texas when I lived in Chicago for several years what was Oregon like and the easiest way that I could describe it to them is is that it's this oxymoronic thing of being surrounded by a bunch of gun-toting hippies And sure enough, you end up covering that as part of this series as well. Were you familiar with the different way of life that existed in that part of the country in the great Northwest before starting to uh, probe some of these various storylines with David?
1: No, not at all. I mean, I'm from New Jersey. And my experience with Northern California had been driving through to go to... You know San francisco or or whatever I mean, really, I had very unexciting experiences with Northern California, and definitely never got a sense of what type of cultures actually existed once you got a little bit off the grid but i I, I love that you said that gun toting hippies and that's exactly what David describes, and he was shocked when he saw that. It's like here's these guys they're listening to the Grateful Dead, but they're holding an automatic rifle, and they will use it and so The subculture that we explore particularly, obviously there's a few in in this show, but the one that you're referring to, I think it's going to take people by surprise because you look at it up there and it's it's so beautiful and it's such a perfect place for a family to go camping. It's such a perfect place for a couple to go take their engagement pics when he's popped the question and they can post their photos on Instagram. (laughs) And then if you take a few steps further into those woods, those families and that newly engaged couple know that they should get the hell out of there as soon as humanly possible.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people would recognize that Humboldt-Mendocino area as one of the ripest cannabis growing areas in the entire world, much less the United States. And I really enjoyed you going back through the history of what it started out as in the 1960s and 70s versus what it turned into over time. And thanks large part to the ridiculous drug war that was waged during the Reagan era? What did it start out as in the 1960s, and what had it become by the time you and David were driving around and asking questions to various people trying to figure out if it was, in fact, a Sasquatch or a group of Sasquatches, perhaps it's a pod of Sasquatches, that had torn these uh, three individuals limb from limb?
1: It was so pure and beautiful in in its aspirations back in the day. It was people who wanted to just get off the grid, go back to the land. Back to the landers is what we refer to some of these individuals who are in the film who did that. They just wanted to get out of the city. They wanted to get in touch with nature and just live a peaceful life, find a community of like-minded folks who were just not into the rat race. And part of their culture was to smoke some weed and chill out, frankly. And then the war on drugs comes along and I believe some people are built for violence and some are not, you know? And the the people who were not built for that, they left and rightfully so. And the ones who might've had a little something in them who were down to go to war with the government, were down to stick around and try to make money by way of marijuana cultivation, by any means necessary, they stuck around. And so you fast forward 10 years, you fast forward 15 years, you fast forward 20 years and you have a very particular type of individual who was remaining living in those woods. And there are people in the film who got out of that world and and out of that game who describe some of the people that they know and knew who remained on the mountain as becoming feral. And that was something that was really apparent when we were up there. I think paranoia runs deeper up there than any place that I'd encountered. I mean, listen, I have not been around every single walk of life, but I, you know, you make docs and you, you meet interesting people and you get introduced to interesting, you know, subcultures. But this up there was, it was different. It was different.
0: Feral is such a great word for some of the individuals that you encountered, and there were moments that you had to add an extra layer of editing to disguising voices, blurring out faces, blurring out license plates. You spoke with some straight up cold blooded killers at times. And by you, I mean through David, I guess. But there were even moments where you're showing him recounting interactions that he had with some of these people and his hands are visibly shaking. And you do a good job of pointing out that he's somebody who, uh, and as you mentioned at the start of this conversation, has stories. And that occasionally involves hanging around with some shady characters. But this was enough to even scare the life out of him. Did you have any moments where you were either fearful for your life in the moment or you did ask yourself whether it was worth trying to make this documentary, if it might end up costing you your life or your health?
1: We had all those conversations. We really did. There were moments where we wondered if we should continue, and there were moments where David was off with certain people, and I'm back at the hotel in Northern California. We we're there for a shoot and just sitting wide awake till two o'clock in the morning waiting to get a text from him that he's out. It was scary. It really was. The thing about this one, and I, one of the things that I sort of think about sometimes is when you set out to make a a Sasquatch murder mystery, I definitely thought it was going to be quirkier than it became. And at a certain point, you have this moment where you think, God, I, th- I think we've gotten more than we bargained for. And then you have to, you know, sort of recalibrate and realize, okay, this thing that we're making is actually terrifying. And, you know, I love making docs. I'm a film geek to my core, but you start to ask yourself, am I willing to die for this? And, yeah, it was a wild experience.
0: Those quirky characters were still sprinkled throughout. They get most of the run in that first episode. Uh, it includes a, a guy who had been a grower for a long time, and was very familiar with the area. You had a couple who would bicker about uh, their particular Leafs with Sasquatch. Do you have a favorite character that you got to meet along the way of making this film? Yeah,
1: I think of, uh, well, I I loved Wayne and George's, the couple who you're talking about. They're hardcore Squatchers, and they have (laughs) very differing beliefs on what Sasquatch is, whether it's a blood and guts human being type creature uh, (laughs) or an interdimensional being. They were incredible. Also, Ghost Dance was amazing. Ghost Dance, I, I, I thought, was just a fascinating character, a really brilliant guy. He's a legendary grower. People around the world would hire him and still do if their crop is in trouble. You bring Ghost Dance in and and he will save your season. And then also just getting to meet Bob Gimlin of the most famous, you know, alleged Bigfoot footage that exists, the Patterson-Gimlin film, getting to spend time with him was great. He was just a really sweet, kind man.
0: And final question, I guess, Josh, obviously this is a project that was put in motion by the Duplass brothers in part that believe they're executive producers of this film. Just how cool was it to get to work with those guys? They have a history here in Austin and they have tried to do so much in the world of independent filmmaking. Was it a joy to get to work with those guys too?
1: It was awesome. There's a very simple reason why they're great to work with. And it's because they're all filmmakers, not only filmmakers, but even though they they have such, you know, huge success now, they keep making independent films, you know, they keep making what people would refer to as small films, you know, low budget films, helping to basically get stories told that you cannot get a studio to make or a network to make. And then they take those supposedly smaller films and get them to, a, you know, a wide audience. It's pretty amazing. But Yeah, working with them was awesome. And I've had some mutual friends over the years with Mark in particular. And so, I, I, you know, I was obviously I was aware of them and I was a fan and I'd heard such great things, you know, just on a personal level. But getting to work with them, it absolutely met my expectations. They were so supportive and they knew when to let us do our thing. They knew when to say, hey, did you think about this? It was great.
0: Joshua Rofe is a filmmaker and the director of the new Hulu docu-series Sasquatch, executive produced by the Duplass brothers. It's a three-part series and well worth your time. Josh, thank you for the time today, and thank you for this enthralling series.
1: Thank you so much for your time and for helping us to get the word about it out. So really appreciate it.
0: And thanks to you for listening. Check out booksonpod.com to hear all of our episodes and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave a five star rating and review. Helps us grow the show. We'll talk to you next time on Books on Pod.